Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak podcast. Uh, my guest today is Neil Kolhatkar. Neil, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. All right, Neil. So, uh, while a lot of Indians might know you, but I still want to start like this. I wa- I actually uh, I want to tell people uh, your journey because I know you have a lot of fans in India. I mean, I'm one of them actually, and I've been watching your you know stuff material uh, via youtube now for a few years but so let's start like this why don't you tell everybody about your journey in australia and how you got into stand up so go for it absolutely um well first of all thanks again for having me on the podcast and um it's really good to know that i have uh, a fair amount of fans in 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 india um i've been a stand up comedian for 8 years now i did my first gig 11 years ago and i've been pursuing it full time for uh 8 years i started off online i made some youtube videos back when the platform was starting so this would have been 2010 maybe so a decade ago and they they gained a bit of traction in, in my school and in my local area in in sydney I'm, i'm from sydney australia i grew up in australia and i really enjoyed what i was doing i i I wanted to do acting previously but I started dabbling in um well comedic acting character acting uh I really like uh actors like Sasha Baron Cohen and Chris Lilly who's here from Australia and I just felt like stand up comedy was a natural step towards uh, that passion but then I actually fell in love with the craft of stand up and because I uh gained a, a a decent following here in Australia I was able to sell shows and post uh some of my stand up online and then that grew into an even larger following and for the last 6 7 years I've been doing this full time continually growing being been able to travel to America and and the UK perform there I've performed to theaters here in Australia I I've uh I suppose that's it. I uh I I I made that series crossing the line last year. I I I'm known for um a few of my short films. I made a short film Modern Education a few years ago and that really hit a nerve with a lot of people all across the world and it went hugely viral. So I suppose that's a very brief introduction to to my career so far. Uh, I think I covered everything there. If if you have any more questions about my comedy or or uh, my so, content, so I actually yes, yeah, so I actually did want to ask you a specific question about modern education. So so I've seen that video of yours. So let's be a, start with that, and then we can get into crossing the line. But that was a very interesting video. So mm-hmm. so uh, if I was you know I I watch your content regularly, and you're basically touching into a lot of what is going on in. Uh, honestly it's not really much of a thing in india not that it doesn't affect in uh, india in the academics i i do think uh, postmodernism and that that cultural uh, ideology does come into indian academia too and people don't realize that but still it's not a thing that is discussed in india but mm. here's my question so when you were making that video about modern education now yeah. I, i'll i'll ask this question in a very weird way because now most of the times what i observe is that it's like so everybody likes to call this the oppression olympics right so everybody who's not white basically is trying to get uh, some sort of a medal in the oppression olympics so you're obviously yeah. not white i mean it's quite obvious so no. so what was going on in your head 
so what was going on in your head when you decided, okay, you know what, I want to make a video about modern education. And it's a critique on uh, basically that that culture of oppression Olympics and and victim blaming or victim shaming or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't get uh, the whole gist sometimes because it's so confusing because at the end of it all, I feel I don't understand who the victim is in the entire entire process. So So why did you decide to make that video in particular? Well, there was a long lead up as to why I made a film like that. Uh, I think you touched on a very interesting point that I would like to uh, illustrate a bit further. Being brown in a country like Australia, I actually am in a minority. So I, I wouldn't say I was indoctrinated, but I just had the very basic belief that white people do have an easier life here in Australia and things do tend to go their way, whereas I may experience some forms of oppression. Um, but when I, uh, as I experienced the, the, the comedy scene and the art scene in particular in Australia, I started to realize it was more, there was more to it than that. It was a, it was this sort of pervasive idea of the best way I would describe it is, um, well, yes, postmodernism, but also cultural relativism. So what tended to, to be the idea among a lot of the people who have power in, in the arts at least in Australia, is that if there are disparities in the outcomes of particular groups, that must be as a result of some sort of discrimination or oppression. And it doesn't take into account different behaviours or different culture. And I found that quite frustrating because, first of all, everyone who wasn't white is just lumped into, they're not directly lumped into the same box, but they're sort of branded as a victim. And I found that quite demoralizing and, and just degrading and patronizing, to be quite honest. Um, and I really wanted to say something about this culture and, and say something in a very nuanced way. So that was a lot of my inspiration for, for creating modern education. Uh, it was controversial at the time. I mean, now there's plenty of uh, anti-SJW or uh, uh, pushback against that pervasive ideology, which seems to have, inf it's not just infiltrated media and, and academia, it's, it's, it's everywhere now, it's even in the corporate world. So I would say that that was the main inspiration. Um, and I was very happy with what I did with modern education. I think I articulated what I wanted to say very well. And if there was one thing I would change, um, I know that the the Sunshine character, I, I probably wouldn't have made him Asian, actually, because I know in America, I mean, I was I was doing this more from the perspective of someone in Australia, but with some of the um, race quotas in American colleges, Asians are actually being heavily discriminated against. So I would I would that was that would be the one thing I would change. But other than that, I'm 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 very proud of what I what I did with that film, and I, I still think to to this day it's it's my best work. And that 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 would be uh, what I would have to say on on modern education. So, at a personal level, where was the tipping point where you just you? So, obviously, once you know we are all growing up, we look at things around us, we see what's happening around us. So, where was that one particular occasion as a tipping point where you said, you know, enough is enough. I need to start satirizing these things because this is sounding way too weird to me right now. I wouldn't say there was one particular tipping point, but I would say it would be a culmination of small points that I would experience 
especially in the arts world in, in Australia, because the, the gatekeepers of uh, media and art were giving opportunities to, to people based on their identity as opposed to what many and what I think the majority of people would say uh, is the quality of their art. And that was what really frustrated me. So I can't, I can't put my finger on one particular instance, but over uh, the course of a few years, there were numerous instances of, well, of that happening, of people clearly getting ahead just because of their identity and the perceived victimhood in their identity. Now, it, ironically enough, that in some cases actually was an advantage for me being clearly not white, as we discussed before. And I welcome that because I did have the uh, idea that, yeah, I, I deserve this because I'm not white, because I, uh, white people would have otherwise had an advantage. And, the, well, there's a nuanced conversation to be had about that as well, but I, I don't think that's a helpful idea to, to have on a personal level or on a societal level. And I know as I've slowly detached from that mentality and I, I, see, I see race less than I ever have. I mean, a lot of my earlier comedy, even even then, that was heavily based around race. And I'll still do race jokes, and I think it's important to be able to laugh at cultural differences. But that, but there you go. That's the big difference there. I I can see the distinction between race and culture. Um, and culture, you, you know, this cultural relativism, this idea that, that all cultures are equal, they're just different. Well, all culture, culture should be treated equally, but we have to be able to analyze the different outcomes of various cultural groups and not just assume some sort of oppression is taking place if there are disparities, even if there are vast disparities. Again, it doesn't mean that oppression couldn't be a possibility or uh, one of the many factors that could be contributing to that disparity, but the assumption that that is the only factor at play here, well, I think that, well, many as I'm sure many people would agree, that that's just simply wrong. Now, I did this from a very Australian-centric point of view, um, but it resonated all across the world. And I, I, I don't know the uh, particular uh, societal, um, you know, the, the issues that are at play in every different country. So I don't know if I'm hitting the exact same nerve for people in every different country, but... I think it is a testament to how pervasive uh, this ideology is and it's everywhere. So, again, going, circling back to your question, I, look, there wasn't one particular instance. I can't, I can't really put my finger on one unique event that was the, the major catalyst for me writing Modern Education, but it, it was just a, it was a cumulative build-up of many instances. Yeah, I, I kind of understand where you're coming from because in my own personal understanding, what I, I see happening in the West is, um, you know, the old culture in the West uh, used to be, uh, all, and I have problems with that culture too. It's not that there were no problems in that culture. It was a, more a culture of honor, right? It was an honor-based culture, mm -hmm. uh, which still exists in some parts of America. I still believe the Southern states of America still have some uh, lingering remnants of the culture of honor. But now I think the entire Western zeitgeist has moved into a culture of victimhood. So say I, 
I guess both 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 things have their good points and bad points. Where maybe the culture of victimhood might might show us uh, the the various problems different communities face, and uh, maybe you know make us more sensitive to those issues. And uh, but then again, if it's done in the extreme, uh, I don't know. To me, as at times because I I I do watch uh, and follow global politics, not so much Australian politics, but I guess. Uh, maybe because i'm married to someone in north who's born and raised in north america so i tend to follow north american politics far more than aussie politics but for me uh, the change what has happened is i think uh, i know it sounds very weird i i, I actually wanted to review i think religion is making a comeback it's just the godless religion uh, i think the west dumped religion in a big way and uh, that left a, a huge internal vacuum and i think people people are just replacing that particular memeplex where it was a set of ideas albeit divinely ordained and mm. they're just replacing it with this new mishmash of uh, i mean it's so similar if you think about it right the old religion had blasphemy right uh, i mean i get it hindus may not understand blasphemy but i'm talking about from an abrahamic point of view because hinduism does not have blasphemy but if all abrahamic religions have the concept of blasphemy now this new cult that has come up is actually very similar to them in that sense that they have blasphemy you can't say this you can't say that and if you do you have blasphemed so so have you seen that uh, so do you think it is also behaving like a religious cult now i think there are definite similarities to what religion would have been once upon a time uh and it is very it is a dogmatic idea um i don't know I can't attest to the um, exact culture going on in America, but from what we see on social media, I would have to. I would tend to agree with you. This uh, seems. I'm sorry, it's my cat. Um, this uh, does seem to have very cult-like elements to it, and I can't imagine it would be good in the long term. And as you also said, I think. it's important to still not entirely disregard everything that has been spouted from that side of the culture in fact there are many things i would agree with as well but there are certain distinctions so for example equality versus equity well a lot of people say i i just fight for equality well what is your conception of equality is it an equality of outcome or is it equality of opportunity so i would fight for equality of opportunity whereas many people on on that side would fight for a quality of outcome now i would even be open to that if they at least would say well look for the next 20 years we need to have this quota system so that people can see that there are opportunities for people who have their identity and then after that we will then get rid of the quota system but no there's no there's no caveat like that it's just there needs to be this perfect synchronicity to the demographics of the population in any uh this sort of in- institution and and that that there's a lack of analysis as to why some of these disparities occur and yeah they 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 seem to have adopted a very dogmatic and and very puritanical um nature a lot of people say this is akin to the witch hunts of um the the it is, it is. now yeah people aren't being burned but, but 
um, it's, it's, it really does seem to be like that. It's, it's, it's a tribe that says, hey, we don't, you're not part of the tribe anymore. And then rather than being physically attacked, they're digitally attacked. And that's it. There's no forgiveness. There's no possibility to, to learn or to grow. And I'm not saying I'm perfect either. There's a lot of jokes and, and things I've said, uh, particularly when I was a, a teenager or in my early 20s where I'd look back on and, and say that was inappropriate. I, I, I shouldn't have said something like that. But I don't think it's fair to judge someone uh, now on who they were 5, 10, 15 years ago. It doesn't mean you don't talk about it and you can still criticise that particular view, but I think the pendulum has just swung far too much in that direction and we need, a, we need to claw it back without going too far the other way as well. All right, so let's talk about your series, Crossing the Line. And I have to state it. I, I think uh, as an avid consumer of uh, humor and, uh, and basically the genre that has related to humor, I just thought that was one of the best things I've seen in my life. I remember clearly seeing it at that time, and I had tweeted about it that you know, this is the best thing I've seen. Uh, I was blown Thank away, you. first of all. Uh, that, so tell me, how did you – I mean, I want to pick your brains here. Tell me how you thought. Like, I always want to know how people come up with things. Like, how did you think? Okay, let's test the boundaries. So, how did you come up with this thing? What was going on in your head at that time? <laughs> well, I, as a comedian myself, I couldn't help but notice that there just seemed to be this idea among the comedy community that you can't say what you want to say anymore. Comedy is being policed. Uh, humor just isn't mainstream comedy isn't funny anymore so I thought well let's let's test that let's test that hypothesis let's see how far we can actually push it and the other main thing I wanted to explore there was that I I don't think there will be any sort of universal line as to what uh, which jokes are inappropriate because each person is going to have a very different individual line because I think what we're offended by is just emblematic of what we value and everyone is going to have different values. So that was the other main thing I wanted to show um, with the with the web series is that there's a diversity of views among what is appropriate when it comes to comedy. And I think that, that well, that definitely did come across because there were some people who, but after one joke, were not appreciative of what was being said and then there were some people who didn't have an issue with any of the jokes and then I also wanted to explore it in a much more nuanced way because I think what tends to happen now when a comedian comes out with a special that could be seen as provocative or controversial people either say that was offensive or no you're just being sensitive that wasn't offensive well what about was it actually funny? Because there were a lot of people in that show that didn't laugh at a joke. It doesn't mean they were offended by it. It just means the joke wasn't that good. Now, that's where comedians have their own bias. I clearly have a bias towards my jokes and my humour. So when people have criticised that, I've immediately become defensive and, and said, oh, you're just being sensitive. But we also have to look inwards and say, well, were my jokes actually not that good? And I think that came through in crossing the line as well. And that was a, a, a really important point I wanted to make, that there is a difference between being offended by a joke and not appreciating a joke or not particularly thinking it's a good joke. 
And again, there wasn't really one, um, there wasn't one instance or one event that made me come up with that concept, but it was just a gradual process over the years as the, 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 you know, the supposed political correctness uh, around comedy was increasing. Um, I thought it was time to, to make something like that and to not just uh, argue on online about whether or not comedians are allowed to say what they want anymore. But let's actually test these boundaries and see how far they can go. So, uh, so when you were testing the boundaries, I, I have to say, I forgot the name of the guy who, uh, he was the best guy. I think the guy in the beard who used to yeah. laugh at everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and every time he would laugh, he's like, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> because, he <was> like, <laughs> I find, because he was like, I find everything funny. Is there something wrong with me? <laughs> so, that, so somebody needs to tell that guy he's the best uh, audience ever because a, a comic would love to have a guy like him there because he's laughing all the time. So my question was then, yeah. what did you learn in the entire process yourself? Did you, did it change you at an internal level as a comic where you you were like, maybe I should not crack these jokes or maybe I should work a little more on my, you know, on my word, you know, the, the, the punchline itself, maybe I can word it better. Did it change or did you see any value in the input uh, that the participants who were listening to the jokes that were giving, I, I'm not talking about the ones like uh, the guy who found everything funny. I'm talking about the people who maybe he, they took offense. So when they told you that we took offense to this and when they explained to you that they come from this point of view, uh, did it, did it, did you take that into consideration as a creator too? Um, on an emotional level, because I was actually observing their faces and they were clearly hurt by some of the jokes, um, we're all human, we have empathy. I, I felt some of that hurt. But I don't think just because someone is upset or offended at a joke, it necessarily means that the comedian should then police themselves. You have to... You have to ask yourself, okay, what was my intention with that joke? Um, did I articulate it as best as I could have? I think if there was one thing I did gauge from, from the variety of reactions I got from those jokes, it would be that comedians should be very meticulous with their material and, ironically enough, not take their profession so lightly <laughs> because nowadays comedians do have a lot of cultural power. And if you are going to uh, explore a controversial or offensive topic, be very precise with how you word the joke and exactly what you want to say. But then at the same time, be because there was such a variety of views as to which jokes were appropriate and which jokes weren't, and, and there were differing opinions as to why certain jokes were appropriate or why certain jokes not appropriate you can't you can't really take one lesson from seeing all those reactions because well there were eight people there were about eight people each episode with a variety of reasons as to why they thought a joke was appropriate or wasn't appropriate so again i just circle back to to the idea that well everyone is an individual and if a vast majority of your audience are saying uh, a, a critical of your work, then maybe that that's something to look into. But 
if it's um, a minority or if it's, um, um, uh, you know, if it's not, if it's not an overwhelming majority, basically, then uh, I don't think comedians should necessarily worry too much about what one person said on Twitter or, or, or why one person thinks certain jokes aren't appropriate as opposed to another person. I think we should listen, but I don't think it's our job to um, cater to uh, everyone's individual sensibilities because then, well, then you can't, you can't even say anything then quite literally mm -hmm. because there's always going to be someone who finds everything funny, even the most vanilla joke out there. Um, so it's important to, to, to take that sort of thing with a, with a grain of salt and, and listen, but um, no, look, I, I, it sort of altered my ethos around comedy slightly and I, and I can see now when there's an actual face behind the person being upset at a joke that definitely has more emotional weight than just seeing a tweet or a comment. And I'm sure that would affect uh, the, the comedy I write in future, but I wouldn't say it's drastically or dr dramatically changed my outlook on comedy and, and writing. So here's the thing. Uh, so just to follow up on this. So mm. from what I've understood is comics, basically, uh, they build a joke, right? So from what I've seen, uh, how stand-up comics operate is you try the joke in different, you know, small time clubs, and then you keep on building on the act. And, and then you have the final finished product where the process involves a lot of getting rid of ABC, maybe changing the bit a little bit here and there. Yeah. So if, if a comic was to start getting conscious of everything, oh my mm. God, if he's offended, if she's offended, or Z's offended. And mm. by the time, uh, and the whole process is about building the joke, let's say over a period of six to eight months, when it finally makes a cut, sometimes a year, year and a half, when it becomes the final act. So don't you think it would become a huge problem if we become so conscious about what we're saying? And on top of that, we're supposed to build. It's like a, building a muscle, right? You need to work out uh, over a period of time to build a joke. So how does one draw that line then? Yeah, it differs from comedian to comedian. Um, I I would say a sort of moderate, um, li listen to people, but then don't you don't have to take everyone's opinion into account. Uh, again, I come back to if, if, if you have tried a joke three or four times and absolutely no one has laughed, well, then uh, I understand there's this sort of purist comedy view that says, no, you know, it's, it's the comedian's view to, I mean, it's the comedian's purpose to, to educate the audience. So regardless of whether they're laughing, the best comedians will just power through. I personally don't really agree with that. I think if... Uh, if if you've tried a joke multiple times and it's just not working, I would I would throw it in the bin. Um, having said that, if for example you try it three times, it works most of the time, and then and then and then you try it one time and it doesn't work, it might be um, it might be a sign that it needs some tweaking and some minor alteration. But I wouldn't then throw the joke away, and then. If you if you sort of adapt that to uh, a, a video or a, or a phrase that you're saying on social media instead of an audience, then you're saying okay, if 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 one out of four people are upset or offended by what you've said, maybe you need to at least uh, 
as best as you can critically analyze what you've written or what you've said and potentially tweak it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't immediately discount something if, if, if a minority of um, people or a, a minority of crowds um, aren't happy with it. So I think, uh, you know, moderation is the key when it comes to that. So you, you want to take into account the opinion or the, the response of, a, of the audience, but you also want to, uh, if you believe in a joke, stick, stick to it and, and, and do power through in some instances. And, 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 and it can be the case that a joke can be 10, 15 minutes long and, or, or at least the, the funny part comes later on or, or, you know, you set the audience up tonally with a, with a, a, a really provocative and, and, and lowbrow joke to begin with, but then that eases them into some of the harsher intellectual comedy that comes later in, in your set. So context is, is really important um, when, it, when it comes to a one-hour comedy show as well. So I would say, yeah, look, take, take a sort of moderate approach to, uh, to, to the refining of, of a joke. That's my ethos. All right. So now I wanted to get your views on humor in general. And uh, so, so you obviously, as you said, you're, you're, you know, you're of Indian origin. You grew up in Australia. You're born and raised there. So mm-hmm. have you ever performed in, like, uh, in front of audiences who are like Indian, Indian, uh, who are only Indian? Have you, uh, have you done? Uh, because I don't know if you've done any gigs in India or not. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering, so what's your take on humor, you know, crossing culture so what's your experience if if any if you've performed in front of uh, as they say the desis have you have you tried yeah. that out how, how do they how do they react to your humor well as i'm sure you're, you're aware there's a there's a very large indian diaspora in in australia especially melbourne and and sydney and i have performed to predominantly indian crowds they're great they're fantastic they they uh they adore the indian jokes in particular because there is that frame of cultural difference in australia when when you when you are um when you when you when you're indian here you're much more aware of those cultural differences because it's so pronounced seeing everyone else who's different um i haven't actually performed in india i've, I've been to the comedy store in bombay um i'd love to i really would want to perform there one day i'm sure one when international flights are back and running, I'd, I'd, I'd love to perform there. But my experience performing to Desi crowds in Australia has been uh, hugely positive. They're, they're, they're fantastic crowds. They're very enthusiastic. There's a lot more clapping. Australian crowds very rarely will applaud. They, they'll applaud at the end of a show, but they very, very rarely applaud uh, in such a raucous manner as well midway through the show or just after a joke whereas indian crowds are um <laughs> they're uproarious with the way they they'll applaud and and they're very generous and you know i've i've, I've enjoyed performing to indian crowds a, a lot because what tends to happen and, and and i think this was quite evident with the with crossing the line is that sometimes it's the um it's well it's it's white people who are very protective of minorities and you know i think that comes from a place of um empathy they want to ensure that um minorities aren't being mocked and put down and and so then they're tentative to laugh at any racial joke any any joke about right any joke about culture they're, they're, they're not sure whether they're allowed to laugh at it or 
whether they should be laughing at it. Whereas clearly Indians would at least be much more inclined to make that distinction from what is just degrading mockery to uh, clever humour. And I'd like to think of mine uh, is, is clever humour. So uh, they're much more, you know, they're not on guard and they're not protective. So, so, so they'll laugh. And it's, um, it's, it's almost liberating to, to see that. It's, it's quite ironic, I, I find, performing to some of the um, uh, more well-to-do whiter audiences in Australia. The, the cultural references just don't, maybe they are relevant to them, but I think they have this sense of, I'm not sure, if, am I allowed to laugh at this? Is this racist if I laugh at this joke? Whereas the Indians clearly don't don't have that. I also think there's a big difference between Indians who have grown up in, well, not just Australia, but Western countries versus Indians who have grown up in India because yeah. Indians who have grown up in, in, in Western countries, they've they've been bullied for that. Not not always, but in many cases, they are the minority and, and, and they've been teased for that. And that shouldn't be happening. That's not a good thing. But I think that breeds a sense of... Uh, insecurity about their race and and also that same sort of uh protective mechanism if if especially if a white comedian starts making indian jokes they'll they'll get defensive and they'll pull back immediately and say no hang on be, you know that they, they shouldn't be allowed to to be saying that whereas i found with um indians who've grown up in india they're not necessarily threatened by a white person making a joke about indians because there's nothing they haven't really experienced being put down for their culture or their race. And I found that distinction really, really interesting. I mean, I even see that with my parents. My mum grew up in Australia, whereas my dad grew up in, in Bombay. So uh, I, I, I even see that dynamic um, interplaying between them. So I find that really, really interesting. Um, but, look, overall performing to uh, in the Indian crowds and, – and you know what? Just multicultural crowds in Australia in general, I I find very rewarding, and they're fantastic crowds. Yeah. So, so have you ever noticed that that when you crack a joke on the uh, on Indian people or your own people, and <laughs> and uh, there'll be Indians uh, laughing in the crowd, and there'll be a bunch of white folks not laughing, and then they'll be like, "Okay, I guess I can laugh. He's laughing too." <laughs> Has that ever happened? Have you ever noticed yeah. that? Yeah. Look. Uh, I'm, I have, I have seen a lot of that sort of stuff that happens, and again, I think that comes from a place of uh, of empathy, uh, but it also comes from, you know, I'm not sure. Sometimes I feel like it's an almost an, an infantilization of uh, minorities and you know, people of color. Even that term, people of color, I don't, I don't particularly like that term. Um, but yeah, I, I have definitely found that. I mean, somewhat. I mean, I remember hearing this uh, a few a few years ago. My uh, my then girlfriend was talking about how she was serving some people. She worked a hospitality job, and she was serving some people, and she was describing them, and she was saying, "Oh, these these Indians came into the shop." And then her other white friend was like, "Oh, you can't you can't say that. You can't you can't say that." And I was like, "What? Is, what can she say that they were Indian? You can say that they were Indian. That's not that's not offensive." Um, so it's a sort of overprotective nature, which again, I think it comes from a good place, but, but it's, it almost gets to the point where it's degrading. I mean, I, I feel that way sometimes. Um, so yeah, I have definitely seen that where I think, uh, Jordan on crossing the line said it the best, where if, if a subject of, uh, if, if, um, a joke is targeting a particular cultural or, uh, ethnic group, 
and someone from that group laughs, it gives everyone else permission to laugh. So I've definitely seen evidence of that when I've performed. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting because uh, I've seen Russell Peters now twice in Bombay when he has come to Mumbai, he's performed and the crowds are packed. And people don't get it. Like a lot of times Russell's act, especially when he's in India, it's 70% about Indian people. And Indians are laughing when Russell's basically making fun of us. He's literally making fun of us in our yeah. house. He's yeah. coming here. And, and then there are a bunch of people telling Russell, oh, you can't do that. And Russell's like, look, I go to their place. I sit with them. They're my people. I make fun of them. And you're going to tell me which joke is okay and which joke is not when they're actually laughing at my stuff. So how do you react yeah. when somebody who's actually not Indian tells you, oh, you can't crack that joke? It's offensive to Indians. I ignore them. <laughs> Basically, look, I, I, I'll listen to what they have to say, but it's that's a strange mentality when you think about that. I mean, someone lecturing someone who's from that particular culture, what they can say about that culture, that's just bizarre. I mean, I also, because in, in Western Sydney uh, or just Sydney in general, uh, where I've grown up, it's a, it's a it's a it's a melting pot. There's a, a lot of different uh, ethnicities and races, and I grew up around many of them. So I'll make jokes about, um, you know, I won't just make jokes about Indians and Australians. They're probably the main groups I target. But then I'll make fun fun of. Um, there's a large Lebanese population yeah. in Australia, and I'll make fun of them. I'll make fun of the Greek and Italian migrant. They're now second, third, fourth generation. They came post World War Two, and I'll make fun of them and. Uh, I'll make fun of, you know, I don't think there's any um, group that's off limits. So I'll make fun of a, a lot of them. And then and then that's when I've received some more pushback. I've received criticism about, um, I'm, you know, you're not allowed to make fun of this particular group because you're not from that particular group. Now, I understand that I may not have the, uh, the, the knowledge of that group that other people have. Um, I don't ever think it's, you know, it's it's not permissible for someone to make fun of a group that they're not a part of. But I do think you should be wary of of of, of how good the joke is, for example. So, you know, I've seen some uh, comedians make brilliant Indian jokes and then they're not Indian, but they clearly know a lot about the culture and they um and they they they've they've experienced it a lot more than maybe the uh, average person. And the jokes are really uh, fantastic. Whereas I've also seen some jokes that just aren't that funny for me, at least, and and they're not that clever. Having said that, I would never say, you know, oh, that's offensive. You can't say you can't say that. I'll just say, all right, it's not for me. That's clearly a very sort of shallow observation of uh, that particular group, and and most people might just see that, and and that's what they observe, so they find it funny. And it providing them humor, so I, look, that's that's fine as long as it's then the the, the burden is shared equally, and they're also making fun of other races and cultures. But that, I mean, I've never seen a comedian who particularly picks on one race as opposed to another. That that would be strange. So, look, I'm definitely more inclined to say that jokes are, you know, everyone should be allowed to make fun of any race and any and any culture, and then and then anyone should be allowed to criticize them as well. Uh, but that shouldn't necessarily deter comedians from making fun of that group or that ethnicity. And and you know what? A good indication of how accurate your jokes are of a, of a group is whether or not that group comes to your shows and whether they like you and whether they follow you. 
Because if they do, chances are the jokes are great. The jokes are fantastic. And there might be a minority of people who still don't necessarily approve. I mean, even when it just, you know, a lot of British comedians will tour Australia and the ones that have gained the most traction here are the ones that have made fun of Australians <laughs> because Aussies love being made fun of if it's done in the right way, if it's, if it's a sort of acute observation about the way we go about our business, about our mannerisms, because we, you know, Aussies have some very peculiar mannerisms to say the least. And when someone um, is, is aware of that and has noticed those things, that's, that's very endearing. Uh, even though they, yeah, they're they're making fun of us, it's great that they've noticed that, and 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 we're more than happy to laugh at something like that. And I'm sure that the same rule applies to to Indians or to any cultural group. Yeah, the only thing I want to look forward to is because I've seen uh, your your act, and uh, you know a lot of it is adult humor. I I just want to yeah. see that occasion where some senior uh, Indian uncle auntie comes up to you and says, "Beta, you should not do this." <laughs> I just want to see what happens there. That would be the best moment of my life. I don't know if it's ever happened with you. <laughs> um, no, not 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 yet. Oh, look, there were some there were some seniors at some of the shows I've been to, but they they actually they laugh. They they seem to like it as well. So, um, I, I guess there's just there is a generational divide with, and I don't think that just applies to Indians. I think even. Um, Older, older white people, older of, you know, of any ethnicity, comedy isn't an art form that they're used to uh, being exposed to, or that you know that style of comedy isn't really something they've they've been exposed to. I think um, as you move down the generations, comedians have much more um, intellectual respect, whereas I think uh, the older generations, comedians were just clowns essentially, and 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 jokers that when it came to uh, the, the, the real issues, um, serious cultural, political, social issues, oh, a comedian would never comment on that. Um, so, look, that will, be, that will be funny. I'm sure it'll happen one day. And look, I there are some, even, even, you know, what Russell Peters said at the best, when you, when you grow up in... Uh, Canada, Australia, and everyone's like, "You're Indian, you're Indian, you're Indian." So you think, "Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm Indian," and then you go to India, and you're like, "Oh no, I'm not, I'm Aussie, <laughs> I'm very Aussie," and the exact same thing happened to me. <laughs> so uh, that's why a lot of my earlier jokes were were a lot more based around me being Indian and my observation as the as the other and the the the, the sort of different person. But look, I'm I'm Aussie. Like culturally, that's that's what I am. Um, I'm very immensely proud of my Indian heritage and uh, definitely still have, uh, you know, my, my parents still uh, uh, brought me up with some uh, Indian cultural ideas. But ultimately, if, if, if you ask me, yeah, I, I realise now I'm, I'm, I'm an Aussie, I'm Australian. And I'll even look back at some of the jokes I made earlier on in my career about Indians and I would say, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily do that today. Um, but that's another that's another thing. You comedians evolve, and um, this this kind of cancel culture. Hey, if it, if someone's done something criminal in the past, that should be brought up. But if they've said something that, um, if if looked through the lens of today's sensibilities, is deemed inappropriate, you got to give them a chance to to grow yeah. and, and to at least 
entertain the the fact that they may not be that same person and and quite often a lot of those tweets and jokes are taken completely out of context um, and the, and the tone at which they at how they're saying it isn't looked at at all um, and and you know when you write a stand up joke for when you when you actually write it down it can have a very different effect versus someone delivering a joke again in the context of a one hour show where they've uh maybe they've said some other jokes in relation to that joke in question um the, they're interacting with the audience they're saying it in a very tongue-in-cheek manner there are there's an extent of sarcasm involved as well when that's written down or when a, a journalist or a um a, a, a social commentator says the joke that a comedian said and when they say it, it sounds very offensive. Well, yeah, that's because they're not a comedian. That's the whole point of a comedian. They say things that can be controversial and offensive, but they make it funny. So really there just needs to be a, a, a much more thorough examination of some of these jokes that are deemed inappropriate from yesteryear and uh, whether or not comedians should be um, socially ostracised. And then even that, like, I feel like, in the same way that, uh, you know, the boy who cried wolf, just no one believed him after a while. We're just the society that keeps cancelling people. So now that cancelling doesn't even have an effect anymore. I mean, you hear another comedian got cancelled, you just roll your eyes and think, okay, well, what did they do this time? So when a comedian actually does something wrong, no one's going to care if they get cancelled because yeah. we're just cancelling people for yeah. the the most mundane things that they've said. Um, but anyway, that's a, that's, a, that's a tangent. But... But yeah, uh, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. So, and actually, I can relate to you the part where you said you're an Aussie. So it's a very funny incident. So I'll tell you my personal life. So I'm married to someone who's born and raised in Canada. So, yeah. so, I, so as we like to call you all, uh, confused desis, right? So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yeah. My wife would be like, "I'm Indian," all the time. She'd be like, "I'm Indian." I'm like, "No, you're Canadian." She's like, "No, no, no, I'm Indian." And now she's with me in mumbai now for 12 years now and yeah she's canadian she tells me that yeah. now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i i relate to that i definitely relate to that <laughs> yeah yeah so it was it, it it's very interesting because the, the moment you said that i was like yeah i get you man you're aussie you're aussie you're just you know so so that's the thing like uh, so when did you come to that realization that or do you identify yourself as just a comic who happens to be brown because i know some comics who have bought into this identity politics thing too much and they actually have started to identify as you know black comics white comics brown comics i mean it wasn't it just that i'm a comic and that's good enough i just happen to be black white brown isn't that the ideal scenario i think that should be the ideal scenario i i don't like to identify myself as the indian comedian or even the indian australian comedian and and a lot of times in the in the media they they seem to use that introduction I mean, I am an Indian comedian, I guess, but I don't like, I don't think the Indian portion of that title really should define, comedy should be the the, the main aspect of, of that career identity. So any comedian is going to talk about what what relates to them and their life experiences. And if you do have that cultural point of difference, if you are a minority and you 
grow up with a different culture, you are then um, you're more aware of the you become more aware of other cultures because you see the differences. Whereas if you grow up in the majority culture, you don't necessarily observe those differences because you don't have that frame of reference. And that doesn't go for just being Indian. That goes for almost anything. I'm sure if you were yeah. if you were gay and most people were straight, or if even if you're just freakishly tall and everyone else isn't, that's why whatever is is a sort of unique aspect of either your personality or your physique tends to um, uh, t- tends to be the point of a lot of uh, your comedy, and that makes perfect sense because it's something you're a lot more acutely aware of because it's so different about you. So I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't like to really see myself as the Indian comedian. Um, there aren't many uh, comedians of Indian descent in this. Ironically enough, there's uh, there's two Sri Lankan comedians who are quite famous now in, in Australia. Um, nice. And then there's a third one who's is on the way up. So there's, there's more, more of them. There's not enough Indians. Um, but I'm trying to, yeah, there's not, there's actually, uh, there are a few, there, there's, there's these two twins that I, um, I found on TikTok. Oh, I heard TikTok just got banned in India. I heard that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they were doing really well on TikTok. But the, wait a minute. They're half, well, they're half Indian, half Sri Lankan. So, okay. Well, something about the Sri Lankan. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need a quota for more Indians in, in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I had one grouse with you, which I had shared on the email too. That so you did the entire crossing the line series. Uh, so yeah. you tried the Jews, you tried yeah. the Muslims, you you tried white people, you tried uh, every. We didn't do white people. We did. Um, oh no! Uh, so I think it was uh, gays and uh, gays and lesbians, right? That yeah, we did. Uh, so we did Christian jokes, Muslim jokes, Jewish jokes, LGBT. Uh, jokes and then jokes about men, jokes about women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then mental health, mental health. Was yeah, the, yeah, the mental life. health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what did the Hindus do to you, man? Why did you spare us? <laughs> Look, um, we only had a budget for a certain amount of episodes. And look, Hindu jokes, Indian jokes were definitely on the short list. But for what? What was the reason why we didn't? There was yes, that's right because we were going to do Indian jokes, but then I said if okay if we open the the racial jokes, then you can't just do Indian jokes. If you're going to do Indian jokes, you have to do white people jokes. You have to do jokes about black people. You have to do all all of this as well. But then I guess the religion, yeah, because we did do Muslim jokes, Jewish jokes, Christian jokes in Australia. They're the predominant religions. Hinduism isn't that prominent here in Australia, so that was also another part of it. But well, I'm I'm still hoping there are there are more episodes and and either Hindu jokes or Indian jokes will definitely be in the second season. So uh, if 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 a second season is produced, don't worry, there will there will definitely be some some Hindu and or Indian jokes there. Yeah, so I I sincerely hope that happens, man, because I was like, damn it, we're missing out in this one too. Uh, nobody <laughs> wants to make fun of us now. <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've I've done enough Indian jokes throughout my career as well. So there's. There's no shortage of that there. <laughs> yeah, but that, it it would have been really interesting because, uh, see, I'll tell you why it's interesting. Because now, because of the internet, the world has kind of become very interconnected. So hmm. when you do jokes, which are very specifically on Hindus and Indians, 
because internet now has boomed so much in india and it has not just uh, the internet now is not just a urban phenomenon it's going mm. into tier 2 tier 3 cities in many cases it's reaching slowly seeping into rural india to the internet so it wow. would be very interesting as to a lot of people reacting to how you guys do like russell i obviously russell's audience are audiences are primarily urban english speaking indians so yeah i mean it, it travels well but like i know russell peters is now slowly through his youtube videos going into the tier 2 tier 3 cities where they 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 kind of find russell peters very interesting they may not relate to him completely but they find yeah. him interesting enough to to actually watch russell peters so so yeah i i, I was so looking forward to it. and that's when when i had actually shared it for the first time too and i tweeted it i was like my only complaint is that you know neil has not made fun of hindus so it's like we are, we we feel left out and we i want to see what happens and just for the experiment i don't know how indians would react to it when uh, and hindus would react yeah. to it when somebody cracks jokes at them and you know you're sure. one of they're all you know you're still indian right so i i i guess it would be a very interesting experiment now that you're experimenting in crossing the line right yeah yeah uh like i said there was actually there was a short list of topics and the the other there were there were a few right i wrote uh, some of the jokes there were a team of writers though and Indian jokes was actually on that shortlist and and some of the jokes they did write ironically enough I it wasn't that I was offended but I just sort of rolled my eyes and thought okay yeah that's that's just a dumb joke <laughs> so it would have been interesting actually if, and then I would have been on the couch and and responding to some of those jokes and I would have also liked to have um listened into the jokes about men and 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 maybe if they did jokes about comedians that would be really funny because i was thinking about the oh my i do a podcast and we talk about this a lot we talk about just identity and the way people perceive their identity is probably the biggest trigger point as to what would offend them when it comes to comedy so a comedian is one of the largest parts of my identity more so than aussie indian brown male whatever comedian is a major part of who i am So if people are uh um you know degrading and mocking comedy I, again ironically enough I can't imagine I'd, res- I'd I'd take to that too well I mean if it's if it's done well because there's a lot I could say about comedians that probably should be made fun of but uh if it, if it's done in that sort of de- degrading way I I can't imagine I'd I'd respond too well to that so um that I would love to actually be on the receiving end of some of those jokes one day because my whole career is 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 writing jokes i very rarely am actually in the audience listening to jokes and 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 when i am i can't help but overanalyze all the yeah, yeah, the the structure of a joke and you know, i can i could see that punchline coming a mile away or oh why why isn't anyone laughing at that joke that's a brilliant joke i i feel like comedy is almost like um in many instances it can almost be like a like a drug because the more you're exposed to it the harder hit you need to get the same effect. So I yeah. find myself now, you know, 10 10 years into comedy, I need the really inappropriate offensive comedy because the other comedy just it doesn't do it for me <laughs> because it's it's I've, I've built up a tolerance or something. Um so look, I'm I'm sure there will be uh there'll be Hindu jokes or or Indian jokes soon enough. It's just a matter of when. You know what? I I I I can't wait for it. Trust me. uh i i'm a huge fan of stand up comedy i i follow it all the time like 
I don't know. I've seen all 14 specials of George Carlin. I somehow managed to get them on the internet because they're not available in India. But Daily then, has this... they're all on. Um, they're on that website, Daily Motion, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's so great. We, yeah, he's awesome. I mean, we would not get these things in India, right? Growing up, we would not have access to any of these uh, comics. So I actually yeah. got exposed to stand-up comedy. I remember there was this club in Toronto for the first time in my life when I had gone to study in York University, Canada, and I and I saw Russell Peters perform in a comedy club, and. And then I saw Russell Peters and I paid a bomb. At that time, I remember I hardly paid anything in that bar or some, mm. that comedy club. And then I paid a bomb to watch Russell in, in Mumbai. And oh. just, it, it was, I was like, I was so happy actually to, to see both of Russell Peters and I, and I genuinely wish all, you know, all comics, all success, especially right now with COVID going on and there's basically nothing in the entertainment industry, at, at least in America, is shut. And I, in India, everything is shut right now. So it's actually very tragic. So, yeah, and you're one of my favorite comics now because I would say, you know, you're one of the smart ones out there who actually is very observant and who, who likes, doing the, li likes to poke fun at things that nobody wants to talk about. So, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming. And it's an absolute pleasure to watch you perform. Uh, and I hopefully one day, whenever I get to visit Australia, I did visit in 2018, maybe one day I'll get to see you live uh, in Australia too, man. Let me know if you're over here. I'll, I'll hook you up with some tickets and hopefully we can meet face to face one day. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Guys. Um, I'm, I would be very happy. Let's just, <laughs> let's just say that. So guys, uh, let's, uh, it's time to wrap things up. Uh, once again, you know the drill. Subscribe, like. I've left a link to Neil's, pod, uh, Neil's uh, YouTube channel in the description of the podcast. I insist, if you've not seen the series Crossing the Line, go and watch it. Not only do, do, do you watch it, let me know in the comments. What, what did you feel uh, after watching that series? And if you're people in India who are watching this, just put yourself in a situation. I want you to do this thought experiment. Just think all those jokes were on you. And then tell me honestly, how did you guys feel about it? I want you guys to do that thought experiment for it. You know the drill, guys. If you like what I'm doing over here, support me on YouTube, Patreon. You know the jazz. Until then, namaste. Goodbye. See you next time.